Podcast. They can't actually picture themselves without pain. They can't see a future self. That they've now just completely just uh, pigeonholed themselves to be like, I'm in pain. My future is pain. My future, everything. And it's just like when you can go and just tell them, no, you can be without pain and, yeah. uh, and I can teach you how, then they're just like, what? Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, beautiful beings, to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. This is your weekly installment of your inner connection to your outer expression, where my intention, as always, is to help you, the beautiful listener, pull back the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. And as always here on the show, I have another beautiful mind, another beautiful heart to share with you. But before I get to him, I want to start with a little bit of gratitude to all of you out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in week to week with this episode. It's growing. I was just speaking to the guests before we started. The show is growing week to week and I'm grateful. And it's because of you. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for getting value. Remember, if you do get value out of this conversation today, you can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can share this with a friend and that gets this show out to more hearts, more minds that might need it. My guest today, is the powerful Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy is the owner of Power Through Motion. He's a manual therapist. He's a massage therapist. He's a biomechanical specialist, all the movement things. And he's a powerful heart. Why you should listen today, what you will get out of this chat is if you're looking on how to connect movement to chronic pain, right? how your body keeps score, what are the energetics behind proper physical movement? Where does love factor in to the movement in the body in general? This is what you're going to get out of this episode. So tune in for this value, for this insight. Mr. Josh, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Hey, hey uh, thanks so much, Harrison, for having me. Uh, I'm really enjoying, uh, I really do enjoy uh, every time that we speak together uh, over on Clubhouse or anything else as well. So I'm glad to be here and I'm uh, love to give in, uh, give as much information as I can towards all of this. Well, my friend, thank you for accepting my invite. And, you know, we're going to get into some of the things that you're you specialize in and what you have knowledge around. But um, as always here on the show, I try and prioritize powerful hearts and you are a powerful heart. So thank you for leaning into that. And thank you for sharing your time with me today. Josh, how I start these conversations usually is I want to give the audience a bit of background about who you are, right? Nice and short, nice and succinct. And I like getting to the pain, right? Because we all have part of our story that has led us to where we are today. And usually the, the pivotal part of that story, something has occurred that has allowed us to step into the passions and the purpose that we share with the world. So Mr. Josh, I'm wondering, you know, within this mechanical movement, physical world that you're so adept within, what led you to this? What was the pain teacher that led you down the road of looking into sort of manual therapy and physical therapy at large. So basically for me, I, my whole past, I was into sports, love sports, and I uh, did a whole bunch of that stuff. And I was injured a lot. Uh, 
from like separating my my shoulder, tearing my left rotator cuff, to tearing quads, sprained ankles, broken fingers and nose, like herniated discs and all that types of jazz. I've done a lot of injuries and I don't know how many concussions, minor concussions uh, from playing lacrosse and football and uh, rugby and all that types of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, injured myself quite a bit. Over, I have a good healthy list of injuries. But basically that started kind of getting me into a little bit of a path to go and try and look at how I can go and help people. I always had a big passion for physiotherapy, but I never had the education to go and do that. And mm. uh, like, no, uh, I was never had that in uh, grade wise to go and try and get myself into that. But it uh, it led me down a path of becoming like a personal trainer, mm. and then from there starting to like learn new techniques and new ways of treatment, so that I can really understand exactly. Uh, helping someone through like fascial stretch therapy and then that led me into like do, uh, using more manual therapy and hands-on work and then did josh let me jump in did you apply this to yourself right so all these injuries that you were moving through did you start applying all these teachings to your own body um not at the beginning now, this is not when i got injured i didn't really know too much so these were when I was in high school and uh, in college and stuff like that, just starting to learn the basics and understanding uh, the body uh, in more detail. Uh, but I started getting physiotherapy from other people and uh, from friends of mine. And then it's just kind of, I was like, okay, like, I like this. I like healing. I like helping. What did that, Josh, what did that feel like? So I'm wondering, so what I'm trying to get in here, thank you for sharing, by the way, when, when you were getting that therapy from the friends within this sort of field and you said, oh, this feels good. What, what, did, what did that, tell me what that feels like? Because I know that the reason I'm asking this question is I know for me, for example, the first moment that I, uh, I did Reiki, I had Reiki done on me or the first time I had, I worked with the chakra system or the first time I did in a, in a child letter, something, you know, it, it felt more than just good. It was like a recognition of something that maybe had been there for a while. So I'm wondering when you started receiving these therapies from friends and started healing, was it more like that? Was it more like it was, it was a bit more than just general excitement? Well, it basically it, for a lot of this, it just came down to is that like, yes, I, uh, I wanted to go and help people. But the thing is, is that like through that whole journey is that like I found out I wanted to help people. I wanted to go and help fix them and help with yep. that growth of getting them out of that pain. But then, uh, I like I said, I didn't have the grades. So I just took the, the, easy, no, the best option that I could at the time. And that was going into going to college for becoming a personal trainer and just learning all of that. So that was uh, like, it awakened what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to do this and I want to help people. And then I looked at how to become a physiotherapist and I was like, oh, well, not, yeah. my, my education exactly. is not, is not put at par for that. So, yeah. And another question that bubbles up my friend, what, so it's funny you started as a PT cause that's how I started my journey as well. I started as a personal trainer. And I'm wondering what, what made you go further down the physical route, 
right? So you get, get the PT and then you start, you know, I, I think you said the massage therapist came later, came next and, and the, and then the more specialized mechanical stuff. What, why did you want to get more specialized within the movement area specifically in the physical area? What made you want, what, what made you feel like PT wasn't enough? So basically like, I found personal training to be a little bit stagnant after a while. I was just kind of going through the motions and it was just like, okay, do this, do that, do this. And I was just like, okay, I need to, I need to change things up a little bit. I need, and my clients at the end, they were just like, they're starting to become, it was just becoming mundane and just like those, like, I always try to change things up with everything I do. And like with every session, it's always different. And that's one thing that I was always big on is just changing it up, making it interesting for them. But it just after a while, it, it just started getting boring. But uh, like, I wanted to see what else I could offer, and uh, and I started looking more into like stretching and mobility and understanding that in more detail. And then I got uh, certified in this uh, thing called fascial stretch therapy, um, uh, and so uh, that opened so many doors for me because then I was started going and noticing how flawed. And uh, and people might disagree with me on this, but I found uh, but I find that how flawed the uh, the pain industry is uh, that uh, that's what kind of got drove me into this that I started do- going down this path because it was uh, this industry that like people go and get treatment and then they go and feel the same uh, then they maybe feel a little bit better for a short period of time and then they're back again and it was whether that be uh, with massage chiropractic uh, physiotherapy in many scenarios I've, i looked down these avenues and it was just the same thing over and over and over again for so many people and so i was like okay something needs to change let me pause you here josh so because i'm happy that we've gotten to this point in the conversation because this is where I wanted to lead you to. So happy that's bubbled up naturally here. I, I think if people have been listening to this podcast for a while, this is a theme. <laughs> this is a theme that sort of circles in through many different uh, avenues, not just the physical one that we're talking about today, but the mental one, the emotional one, the, the, you know, there's a lot, there's this theme of, symptom-based care out there in the Western world. And I always want to put the disclaimer that if you are a symptom-based practitioner, you know, you are, I'm sure you are a beautiful person that's trying to help as many people as you can, much like Josh and myself. But I think we start to realize that there are many systems at play that we are a part of that we sort of get led into that if we aren't consciously aware of, they sort of dictate our choices and we start to see that thing that you just talked about of the revolving door of, Oh, come fix this thing. I'm good. Let me come back. Let's fix this. Let's fix this thing. I'll see you in a month. Come back and just not getting to the root of the, of the challenge, which leads me, my friend, into sort of the next question here. And you've sort of set it up. What, how is movement? How is, let me, let me maybe correct it. How is proper movement therapy connected to chronic pain and more specifically the solution of it moving through chronic pain in your opinion? So this is a very loaded question. Yeah. 
We'll break it down. Don't worry. <laughs> but basically, uh, movement itself and chronic pain uh, go hand in hand in so many ways. Like the best way to go and kind of break this down for me, and uh, like I, and this is how I kind of break it down for the uh, for my clients as well, is that uh, we're based up of three different types of movement patterns. And our first movement pattern is our primal pattern. And our primal pattern is basically our uh, factory setting. This is the way that our body is designed to move. If you look at anatomy books, then uh, anatomy books are ideal. That's not how our body moves per se for a lot of us. That is ideal situation. But uh, like that's how we need to think about it as like factory setting primal pattern. But then we end up going and having a uh, any outside factors. And this is where uh, you and I uh, like correlate very, very, uh, very, very closely because uh, these outside factors can be related to tra- uh, physical trauma, trauma, mental trauma, uh, could be related to personal, uh, personal or even uh, any type of uh, lifestyle choices. So and when lifestyle choices happen, that could be the type of diet that you eat, uh, if you sit and you're very sedentary. Uh, so like there's a lot, there's too many to count uh, like for any, yeah. any type of outside factors that could be correlating. Just, just to jump in here, because I can feel your passion bubbling up and I want to keep hearing this, but I just want to put this dot together for people. This is very important because now what you're saying is th- there is an internal element that is primal, I love, love the word, within you that deserves to be expressed but now there is an outside element that is forced, that is pushing in on this intrinsic state of being, in this case, in regards to movement, that is impacting the expression of that, impacting the expression of that primal movement. And if we are unconscious to this, then we can feel like it's normal. We can feel like the external pressures and the stimulus that is created from them within us, how it's expressed, oh, this is just the way it is. This is just the way, oh, that, you know, I, this is just the way I walk. This is the way I'm hunched. This is the way I move. I have no control here, but I'm sure Josh, you would disagree with this. Keep, keep going, keep going. And you're right. I do completely disagree with everything uh, that you just went, not, not everything that you said, just with that yeah, last, but, but yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, like, so when we have that and all of those outside factors, I call those adaptive patterns because our body has to adapt to these changes, whatever it may be. But these, these adaptations are good. And this is where it comes down to is that like, we can't go and think adaptations are bad. All of these adaptations are good because our body is trying to adapt to the environment that it's in. But when these adaptations become chronic and stay for long durations, this is when we can start to see injury, pain, stiffness, and many other uh, aspects like that. And also why, and sorry, Josh, because I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting excited with your excitement now, my friends. I, this, which is why the symptom-based treatment is only going to work so far, right? It's only why this chronic system that you just defined, you know, if we keep going back to the chiropractor or the PT or the OT and we are treating just the surface-level symptomology of this chronic challenge, then we will get we'll get short-term release. But the thing is the, the lifestyle, the thing on the outside that's, con- that's making the, the, 
the challenge present, that's not shifting, right? So the short term is achieved, but the long term is not getting a um, solution. Tell, tell me, my friend, so what do we do about this? So we are, I think what you just defined, I think it's very easy for people to understand. So what, what is the solution here? So that actually comes down to my last pattern. And the last pattern is our movement pattern. Our movement pattern is the debt and the present day patterns, those present day adaptive patterns that we've accumulated over our lifestyle, uh, over the lifespan that we've been alive. So it's now us, whether that be you, Harrison, or myself, or any other other uh, friends that we have uh, that are practitioners, we need to start identifying those adaptive patterns, those specific ones that you've accumulated. And there's usually, for a lot of them, there is usually a primal, uh, like a, a primary pattern uh, that kind of is that original driver, okay? Can you give an example? Can you give an example, Josh? Let's just go and say uh, in movement and mechanical-wise. Uh, if you have uh, a hip problem and your hips are going and causing, you have limited internal rotation of your hip. Because of you having limited internal rotation, and when I say internal rotation, that means that your entire leg from your hip to your knee to your foot can't rotate inwards towards your midline. And your midline is basically a line that cuts you in half from your belly button. So when we have, um, when we're limited in that internal rotation of our hip, it then can start causing cascading effects through lack of uh, maybe hamstring uh, activation. So uh, like we could go and activate the, the inside hamstring muscles because we have three hamstring muscles and we can, uh, we can activate and move those ones, but we can't start using our outside ones. And so as soon as we start uh, having that limitation of, uh, of movement and contraction and activation of those outside hamstrings, we're then now limited on what our hamstrings can act and the power and the speed and the strength that we can actually go and provide. So it's now us identifying that because on top of it as well, when those muscles uh, are only the ones that are getting used, that's when we can start seeing them being overworked, being irritated, being inflamed, causing uh, pulling and uh, pain at the knee. In many scenarios, this is one thing that I've run into on a regular basis. So it's now us to identify that and then improve upon it. But then we also still need to figure out exactly why yeah, what's causing what, what caused that lack of internal rotation, whether that be the way that you're sitting, whether that be anything else as well. So uh, yeah. not, we can start uh, diving deep into the specifics of why. I'm, I'm interested, Josh. So thank you for that breakdown. I think that, you know, you can listening to you speak, Josh, as a, as I'm sure the, the, the listeners out there in the podcast world can relate to this you know, it really evokes the beautiful complexity of how our physical being is constructed. And if you're not, if you don't see that, that complexity, if you don't respect that complexity, I think there's challenges waiting for you to run into. And this is why, and maybe you've heard me speak about this, Josh, you know, I, I, I tend to find myself, and this podcast goes out into many different topics, but a lot, the, the reoccurring theme it has 
is this deep sort of spiritual and energetic foundation that bubbles up into all these different health areas. And this is why I speak about, you know, the spiritual body impacts the physical body, but the physical body impacts the expression of that spiritual being that's inside of us. And if you're not taking the physical body as that beautiful complex system of systems, as you just outlined, then you're going to be limiting yourself in some way, right? You're going to be limiting one way in which that spiritual being express, expresses itself in this case through movement, which you're describing. I'm a, a question surfaced that I want to throw at you, Josh, with what you were just explaining. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, you talked about not sitting right as one of the examples that, you know, create the environment in which the muscles are dysfunctional. How often do you have clients that come to see you and they talk about the T word, they talk about the trauma? How often, give me a percentage wise, how many, how many people come to see you and the, and the lifestyle element that impacts their physical movement is trauma based? Um, that not that, uh, you, that the clients can identify or that I can identify? Well, both, both. Um, for client-wise, it's probably, I don't know, maybe 1%. Like, yeah. Nah, like, yeah. No, nah, they don't understand it at all. And for any type of other, nah, other type of, whether it be physical, physical trauma, that they, they're they like, oh, I got hit by a car when I was five. But that was when I was five. I'm like, well, no, that's a huge thing. <laughs> like, that's a <laughs> yeah. big component that I needed to know. <laughs> but like, but they're... And, and sorry to interrupt you, Josh. And, and, it's, and it's not just the physical trauma around it either, right? That's probably causing some of the movement, you know, challenges. It's probably, how do you, how do you feel about that, that accident that occurred? Do you... Have you expressed, have you released, right? Mm-hmm. Because on top of that, because like now, and no, nah, like for me to notice, I'm probably going and noticing and I'm, and I'm only getting in whatever the client also goes and gives me, but uh, like I notice maybe about 20%, 20% of the time for any type of real mental trauma that could be correlated with that. And no, nah, one thing that, uh, that I've came to learn is that the pain uh, sensory within the brain and the trauma and like sadness and depression aspect are almost in, uh, are almost intertwined and people have looked at it uh, at the brain in the MRI and seeing how much it actually is correlated so uh, and so when people do have uh, constant trauma not uh, a constant pain and this chronic issue that's uh, it's why it's uh, so correlated with depression and sadness and everything else as well, and how much it can start affecting that aspect. So, well, my friend, that leads me beautifully into a question I wanted to ask you, and I want to get your opinion on this. Have you have you read the book, or has it come into your awareness? the The book, The Body Keeps Score, by Mister Bezel Van der Kolk, my friend. I bought I bought the book, and I'm listening to it on Audible as well. So, oh, oh, beautiful, beautiful. So, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, my friend, what do you think the impact of this is on what you just described? So, 
uh, let me just give a, a, some context here for people that haven't heard me speak about this, this reference before, which is probably a high, a high, a low percentage of listeners, to be honest, because I, I tout this resource a lot. The Body Keeps Score is a beautiful resource by Mr. Bezel van der Kolk, and he talks about a lot of the studies now showing that when we go through a traumatic event like Josh was describing, and we haven't integrated, we haven't expressed, we haven't healed, we haven't released around it physically, mentally, emotionally, the the body will hold on to that experience, or hold on to the sadness, the grief, the shame, the 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 guilt, the anger in the tissues, in the in the mechanical structure of the body at large. And when we get the opportunity to release, then those emotions can come up. So I'm wondering, one, what is your perspective on this, my friend, in the work that you do? And two, why do you think it's important for people to understand? Oh, well, for one, it's a huge, huge, huge component. Like just going and giving an example, like I have one client, for him, he got his meniscus repaired, got surgery on his meniscus. And no, it ended up being is that Every single time, no matter what, even though that he had the uh, the strength and the and the stability to do it, he uh, he automatically pushed his knee in towards his midline, and so as soon as he goes and pushes his knee into midline, then he loses all activation of his glutes and of like and stabilization of his, uh, of the lateral aspect of his uh, of his leg, but uh, we are building the strength and anything else and uh, and doing it. But he keeps it in because when he keeps his knee in, that's where there's no pain. When he keeps his knee out where it's supposed to be and not and allowing it to move freely in that area, that's when he normally had pain. So then automatically, just to go and protect himself, subconsciously, his knee falls inwards. Just to go and Mm -hmm. try and make sure that the pain isn't there. So it's now us to have to show the nervous system and the brain that when he keeps his knee out, there isn't any more pain. And so that means that we have to put it, put it through that load, put it through that type of area. And what would, what would, what would that look like, Josh? So just cause I want to get specific here for people listening, maybe some examples, what would it look like to help that person be in that normal range of motion what in your sort of what, what are some tips? What are some practices that you would implement with that person to make that a reality? So one, no, I'm a big believer on is just like standing on one leg. But standing on one leg can be extremely challenging. But when we start looking at the mechanics of and the position of the knee where we want it to kind of stay and land, it's actually uh, our kneecap should be lining up with our third toe. So starting in from our uh, from our big toe and moving out, and it should be kind of lining up with our third toe in that aspect. And being able to create that support with our pelvis completely aligned, so not one side lower than the other, one, one side sticking out or falling inwards, keeping a nice level, level pelvis and being able to hold yourself with your knee aligned with that third toe and a uh, level pelvis, and you should start to go and feel uh, this one muscle called your gluteus medius. Okay, this muscle should be going and creating that stabilization of the pelvis and of the knee, and so of that full lateral side. 
So that's how we want to try and go and look at it. And so when I put people into this, I do, uh, and some people can't even do this. Uh, like, and uh, this one exercise, I call it a uh, single leg support, but basically you just stand on one leg, but then you put your foot onto a small ledge or a step or a bench, whatever, and then you just go and stand there. And then you try to just keep your pelvis level, make sure that the knee is aligned with the third toe, and you just hold for about a minute, three minutes, whatever, no, whatever feels comfortable for you. And then from there, we start to build. And that's the thing is that we have to find that foundational, simplistic movement to reactivate build and build upon. Then we can start building strength. Then we can start building more complex movements, multi-joint movements, and speed and strength and power. But we need to start off with that minute foundational piece. And sometimes people don't even get into that full minute uh, level as much as they should. I think, a, I think a part of that, Josh, is we feel like we need to do all the things all the time. We feel like especially, and maybe this is just my personal experience, but with mechanical and structural and physical therapy, I think we feel like we need to get everything re- correct and we need to do all of the things, all of the muscles, all of the structure, all of the posture elements all in a line. And if we're not doing it, we're doing it incorrectly. But this applies to what you're describing and applies to all aspects of healing. In my opinion, the best step we can take is the one that's right in front of us. And that, and that step can be that little minuscule step that sets the foundation for the rest of them to move on. I am, um, Josh, something else came into my awareness as you were speaking that I want to get your opinion on how often when you are setting up that foundation for people and helping people with those small steps and that posture alignment or that, that, that step to take, how often do people have releases? Like do emotions come up? Do feelings come up when they're taking these small steps? So I go back to that example that you just talked, talked about that man, that, that the, the, the alignment of the leg from, from being, you know, not, not aligned to aligned. Is there release during that in your experience with people? Depending on the person. Some people, yes. Uh, whether that be through emotional and uh, traumatic and memories or uh, through uh, like uh, exhaustion. So some, uh, like some people I go and I put through, whether that be uh, putting them through some exercises and getting to reactivate and getting some joints to move that haven't moved in a while or the tissue that hasn't moved in a while or whether that be using uh, manual hands-on work uh, to go and try and release the tissue. But within definitely at the start, what, uh, like I've had many people within like the first month uh, that they're just like, yeah, I'm exhausted. Like they're just like, I just want to go home and sleep. And that definitely has to go and do with, you know, the effects of uh, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system for sure. But it's also the, uh, the release of a lot of, trauma, physical and emotional trauma to the body. Uh, and in this, uh, in that scenario that you were just talking on uh, that uh, with the man with the knee, for him, he was having some uh, awareness. He just, uh, it automatically just gave him some awareness of being like, oh, like my knee is falling in because this is where I feel most comfortable. This is where I know that this is where it is. So in the end, 
uh, it wasn't me that pointed it out. It was him that pointed it out, but we needed to put him into that scenario for him to be aware of it. And so this is where it comes down to is that he's like, oh, my knee falls in because this is where I feel most comfortable. So now we, and I'm like, okay, great. Now we just, uh, now you're aware of that. And now we can go and start improving upon because the first thing is awareness. Josh, how, how often could you conflate or maybe the better word is replace comfortable with safety in your opinion? So you said that, that, that man felt comfortable in that, in that incorrect postural alignment. I'm wondering if this is your intuitive sense. Is it comfortable or is it they feel safe, especially if we're talking about a traumatic origin? What's, what's, your, what's your perception of that? Um, tell you the truth, I think, it's, I think they kind of go hand in hand a little bit and you could go and use those words interchangeably um, because they feel comfortable because that's where their adaptation, that adaptive pattern that they've accumulated uh, to be so that their neurologically, uh, neurologically sense and their proprioception and body awareness, they're just like, this feels right. But it's not, but then they can go and say, well, they put the knee there to begin with because of the trauma, because of the pain. And that they're just like, okay, we need to move them on oh, that knee in. So they kind of go hand in hand uh, within that type of uh, correlation a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And I think you could, you know, I think we sometimes get lost in words and I, I would encourage people listening, go with the feeling of it, right? Go with the feeling of it internally and see which aligns for you. It brings up another question, my friend, that I want to flow to now. And thank you for this conversation thus far. I'm really enjoying and I'm putting some dots together in my head as you're speaking. I, another thing that bubbles up for me in my work, and I don't, you know, I don't do the specialized biomechanical movement work that you do, but I do, I work a lot of people. I work with a lot of people. I start with the spiritual, energetic, emotional side of things. And then once we have that foundation with that's when we move into physical practices, like you're talking about. And often what comes up for me within um, chakra meditation, spiritual activations that I guide people through in is this idea that we can use our thoughts and our perception of the pain that we are experiencing. And rather than sort of stepping away and ignoring and suppressing that pain, we use our thoughts, we use our mental, cognitive, energetic you know, capacity to go into the pain, to, to push ourselves. Well, maybe not push is the, is the incorrect word. Lovingly support ourselves through the pain to see the communication, the answers, the guidance that it may, might be giving us. So I'm wondering, one, I'm wondering your thoughts on this, my friend, and it's and the power of it, or the in, or the maybe it's not valid in what you're doing, and what you what you understand around how our perception impacts our pain in general. Does that make sense? Does that what resonates out of all what I just said? Um. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. So, like the perception of pain, it, uh, it it's a it's a big it's a uh, it it varies from person to person, and that's the thing 
is that uh, like some people can go and say, oh, I have a very uh, high pain tolerance. While others have like, you can go and just like do a little scratch on them and then they're like screaming out and saying like that was a 10, uh, that was a 10 out of 10 on pain. So it just comes down to is that it's like, okay, these are the, these are the aspects and you now have to go and start correlating uh, how to, for me, how to do treatment around those types of perceptions as well. That it's like, okay, uh, one person I can go and just like go right in and have no, uh, and no real issues and other ones I have to be like super soft and anything else, which then with uh, when someone is a little bit softer and that also could be correlated with the types of injuries and the trauma and the, uh, which then like, let's just go and say with uh, like one person that has like fibromyalgia. So with fibromyalgia, it's now like can create so much physical and sensitivity at the lightest yeah. amount of touch. And so what we need to try to do is then attack it in a very different way than if someone that just has like stiff muscles or tight muscles. We need to start uh, going at a much lighter approach and sometimes even hands are too much. And so it's now us having to use, like I use a a tool, like a Graston tool, basically a myofascial tool, like a blade, a metal blade that I go very, very light on but go over an area to go and just try to release it. And we can go and reduce the sensation to a zero. So then I can then start attacking the, uh, with my hands and start going in a little bit deeper and releasing the, the rest of the fascia and the, uh, and the tissue that are really going and causing a lot of the, the joint pain and stiffness. And that, imp- and that impacts their perception of the pain itself. I, I guess... I guess what I also want to get your perspective on this, my friend, with what I just asked you before, I'll break it down a little bit further. Thank you for answering that. I, I guess I want to know, let's say I'll give an example. Let's say that I have had some kind of childhood trauma and I haven't healed from it. And that childhood trauma is actually impacting my posture or impacting, impacting my biomechanics. But at the same time, within that childhood trauma, I'm also stuck in the victim archetype, meaning that I, this has happened to me, right? I am the victim of this perpetrator and there is nothing in this that can help me, help me expand. There's nothing in this that can help me heal. There's nothing in this that can help me grow. And I'm, I'm seeing that this is something that I can't move beyond, but I'm also seeing these incorrect postural line. I also have a hunched back. I also have hip challenges. The question for you, Josh, is how much do you think that person's thoughts and their reality around them being a victim of their circumstances impacts their ability to change their physiological outcomes? So if that person comes to see you and they're in this archetype, does this impact their ability to heal their postural or movement challenges? 100%. 100%. Because uh, like too many scenarios I've run into that we like there is one not I'll go and kind of talk about a couple but there was this one gentleman that I worked on 
And for him, he, we were going and uh, like trying to figure out exactly. He's like, yeah, my feet, my back, everything are really, really tight. And and he's like, for the longest time, I always wore like really short, uh, like tiny, uh, like smaller shoes about a size uh, smaller than I'm actually supposed to. And so I'm like, okay. So we looked at everything and I, then I started going and breaking it down. I'm like, okay, so why do you think you're going and think uh, like, why is like this type of stuff happening? And we started breaking it down. And he's like, because I felt like I was so tall. So then I didn't want to be uh, noticed. So he started hunching more. And then he's like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that center of attention. So he tried to make himself smaller. And then when he started making himself smaller, he also ended up going and curling his toes and curling his toes into also, which then created a lot of excessive tension through the rest of his, uh, through his legs, through his feet, through his upper back and everything else. But until I went and started getting him to point it out and start thinking about it, he never even had that correlation. And so it's now he's like, oh, now he's more aware and more understanding of maybe why he's moving the way that he is, why his feet are so tight, why everything is uh, causing so many problems. So we had to break that one down. Uh, And we were able to get quite a bit of uh, good uh, mental clarity within one session uh, of treatment, which is absolutely amazing. Did that awareness, Josh, I want to keep hearing these examples. This is beautiful. Did that awareness empower him? Did that awareness empower him to make a shift? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. And it just made, it opened his eyes because it, uh, it, it's a wall uh, that you didn't even know existed. And a choice and an unconscious choice that we're making. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you've not a little core, like a little analogy here, but you always go and see these types of like, um, these TV shows or these movies that they're uh, that there's like these treasure hunters and they're going and going through the tomb and the tomb is ugly. The tomb is old and anything else. And then they get to this, uh, this stone wall. And then when they finally get through that stone wall, the stone wall opens and then it shows this absolutely beautiful land with uh, beautiful trees and water and uh, like luscious uh, ground and everything else. That's the way that I think what uh, what happens when people go and see that type of uh, like uh, like awareness that they that there's this wall that they didn't even know existed. And then once it opens. And it's just like this luscious, like vis- uh, visual, like oh wow! And then everything is just endless after that. I, so I love that imagery, my friend. And I could hazard to guess, for you, that's probably what makes your your job, your career, so rewarding. I would I would guess, right? When you get to see those experiences and those awarenesses that clients have. Mm-hmm. But they're just like, wow, okay. They're, they never knew it actually existed. And then now, uh, and like the other thing as well is that they didn't know that there was a uh, future self th- without pain. And wow. uh, like we have a good friend of ours, and uh, Pete Cohen, and he, uh, he always talks about future self. And so with him... Uh, like it, it, it made me start to be more aware of what my client's perspective is on what they, they can't actually picture themselves without pain. 
they can't see a future self. That they've now just completely just uh, pigeonholed themselves to be like, I'm in pain. My future is pain. My future, everything. And it's just like when you can go and just tell them, no, you can be without pain and uh, and I can teach you how, then they're just like, what? Like they can't, they can't even fathom it. I think, uh, so I'm just so happy you're hitting on this point, my friend. And this goes to another question I want to ask you in a second, but I think, I think there are many reasons we could go down with a rabbit hole about why that is the case of why there are so many people out there that, and I think people are conflating pain with suffering. Pain, in my opinion, is inevitable. Pain is a part of the human experience. We need pain to expand and evolve and grow. But suffering, i.e. prolonged pain, that is a choice that we are all making, either consciously or, as you pointed out with that, with that temple door opening analogy, is a choice, right? So I would ask people listening to this episode today, within your physical world, where are you consciously or potentially unconsciously, most likely, making choices to live in chronic physical suffering, right? Where has pain come in to give you a short-term lesson to help you expand, but for whatever reason, you've stayed in that pain and now it's become chronic and become your life and stopped you from stepping into your future self. It's something that people need to become aware of. And leads me, Josh, into a question I want to ask you here. Often within the work that I do, I talk about a lot of the energetics and the emotions and the spiritual foundations of our healing journey. And when I get to the physical lens, I talk about how the body tells the story of our lives. Our body tells, you could look at someone and you've been talking about this today. You can look at someone and based off their toes, based off their hunchback, based off their postural alignment and how they're showing up in the world, you could start to have a conversation about where these pain teachers have come in, but where we have not listened to them and sustained the suffering. So I'm wondering, Josh, what bubbles up around this? What bubbles up around this idea that the, our body tells the story of our lives and how can we sort of lean into it a little bit more to make it empowering rather than disempowering? <laughs> um, yeah, that, um, so the best way to go and make it empowering, I find, is to like, for one, to be aware of it, learn and educate yourself about it so if you yeah uh but like if you have any type of uh like if you have something that you're not uh, that you're dealing with whether that be mental whether that be physical whether that be internal like just be like okay i'm gonna go and learn about it whether that be reading some studies reading some ways of like understanding what is going on and then if you don't understand it speak to someone about it whether that be like yourself 
whether that be someone like me, whether that be, again, anyone else uh, that specializes in certain, uh, certain areas. So we need to start understanding exactly uh, what is the true root cause of our problems. Because, uh, and like the root is everything and we need to find it. And until we find it, we will still keep on feeling disempowered. But as soon as we can start being like, oh, that makes sense. And you're like, I'm trying, and I've had this many times with these conversations with my clients that they're just like, I have been saying this to my doctors. I've been saying this to my physiotherapists. I'm like, this, I feel like is something wrong in this area. And, but they're, they keep telling me no. And then you come along and tell me that it's there, that it's the problem there. And they're like, I have been, I've been racking my brain about this for a very long time. And you finally just went and pointed it out that something and confirmed what I thought was wrong the entire time. And gives them that empowerment that they never, that they're just like, that they never knew that they actually had. So. So I love that answer, my friend. And it actually flows into what I want to ask you next here. And it highlights something that I think people often overlook. It's this understanding that there is something inside of us that is guiding us, right? So in your situation, you were just talking about the person looking, going to all the practitioners and them shutting the doors, but they still felt like there was something there. They felt like they felt like there was something to be, that what they were being told was not only wrong, but there was something inside of them that was contradicting that was still pushing them to find another perspective, pushing them to find another professional like yourself to provide the guidance around the thing that they're feeling. And I want people listening to realize that this isn't just a Josh experience with his clients. This is something that happens for everyone. And we need to start listening to that voice more and more. So I'm wondering, Josh, in, in your personal life, in your, as the beautiful man that you are, do you, do you have a spiritual practice? And if you have a spiritual practice, how does it impact your relationship with your physical being, either personally or how you show up with your clients to support them? So the one thing, spiritually, not a ton, uh, but I do have certain correlations that I've like started to like incorporate through doing my own like counseling and therapy and stuff like that. Uh, but like one thing that I was always, uh, I was a very like negative person on the inside. Always like, and to the points of like depression and everything else as well. Uh, but one thing that I, uh, that I learned was that like I had very low self-esteem for myself. And so, and then once I learned that you could go and start building your own self-esteem by just going and speaking aloud what you're feeling. And so, Love it. that no, so by going and just speaking it out loud to yourself, uh, like even just to yourself, even though that you're not with anybody else, you can then start to console yourself and get yourself to understand why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. 
But as soon as you just keep it in, uh, internally, that's when things can start to snowball, can just like circle and just make you feel like crap. So like, uh, that's one thing that I'm definitely uh, incorporating in my life. Definitely when things are getting tough, when things are really kind of, I'm feeling down for myself. I verbally just express it to myself, not even anyone else. And sometimes yeah. I do with other people, but like, yeah. And Josh, I just want to emphasize that practice that you have. It's a beautiful uh, leaning into the throat sense at the throat chakra. Right. And often we do have that that limiting belief that you just talked about of feeling like we, we can only communicate when there is someone to listen to us. We can only share our feelings, share our emotions, share the ongoings of our internal system if there is someone to receive. And that is not the case, right? It could be purely going out into nature, you know, walking in the forest or the beach or wherever you have access to and just letting it go, right? And that is cleansing. That is a connection to something more. So I love it, my friend. And if you've been listening to this, chat this whole time if you have movement patterns that are restricted it could be simple starting an act like that and then going to see someone like josh to start working at okay now what can i do from a physiological movement structural lens josh i have one more question i want to ask you before we finish here but before we get to that i i'm just i'm really grateful that you've come on to share your voice with me today you shared and i hope you don't mind me sharing this this is the first podcast you've been on and I thought you did beautifully my friend I thought your your voice is powerful your message is deep I want to give you the opportunity now for people that have been listening that maybe have felt pulled to your words pulled to your method what do you want to share with people how can they reach out to you what do you have going on in the world that people can take advantage of yeah so for one uh, I also uh, as a lot of you know I am a manual therapist, so I do have a physical location, and I also do uh, actual stuff online as well. So if you're wanting to go and reach out to me, you can go to my website, powerthroughmotion.com, and we can uh, do a consult call, a 30-minute free consult call. This is one thing that I want to definitely go and get all of you guys to know, is that I'm here to help. I'm here to go and offer my service, and it is completely free to all of you to not go and speak to me for 30 minutes to go over any type of pain that you're going and having. And then if you do live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, then let's go and uh, try and meet up and, uh, and look, at, uh, look at your pain in more detail. And if you don't and you live all the way out in Australia, like what uh, Harrison does over here, I'm available to, uh, to you as well because I do offer one-on-one -on -one online treatment uh, that we can go over all this types of stuff. We do full assessments and everything else as well. And then you can also still reach out to me over on Clubhouse, uh, on the Clubhouse app, social media app, or you can reach out to me over on Instagram as well. So a lot of different avenues where you can, uh, where you can get a hold of me. Beautiful. Thank you, Josh. And for all the listeners tuning in, as always, if you go to the show notes of the player that you're listening on, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you'll see in the show notes all those details that Josh just gave and you can click on them and go to meet this powerful being. Josh, my final question here for you today, the cosmic love antenna, the intention of this 
podcast is to help people connect into their deeper sense of spiritual cosmic love so they can express it out into the world. And we've been talking today about how we could do that through a physical, structural, physiological lens. But I'm wondering, what is your definition, my friend, of that L-O-V-E word, that love word? I feel like it can, no, it can be eternal. It can be something that uh, no matter how much a person hurts you, you still can love them. And no matter even after they're gone, they can still be, no, you can still love them. Love is not something that has to be physical. Love doesn't have to be something that can, that has to be in front of you or anything else. That's that, like, so that's, that's where I find uh, love truly is. And if you, not, and whether that be if you love somebody, that's how, like, I find is, like, it's eternal. It's something that sometimes you can't even explain. And, yeah. I thought you did a beautiful job of explaining that, Josh, and thank you for diving into that. My friend, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having a chat with me. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love you very much. Beautiful listeners out there in the cosmic love antenna world. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on another episodic exploration here into our inner deep diving worlds. I will see you next time here on the cosmic lover love antenna for a next, your next episode, your next download. But until then I'm wishing everyone a wonderful morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And we'll see you next time here on the show. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one -on -one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.